Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and joining me once again, Amy Thompson. Amy, how are you doing this week? A little rough getting back from spring break. My family's having some time readjusting. My son's actually asking to go to bed like 15 minutes before bedtime because we're all just exhausted at the end of the day, but I'm excited to talk about this. As am I. This week's film is our last stop in 2010. I know we've been there for a while, but trust me, it is a very good year. This is our second four-year reconsideration of the 83rd Annual Academy Awards, the Best Picture nominee, Black Swan, directed by Darren Aronofsky, written by Mark Heyman and Andres Hines and John J. McLaughlin, starring Natalie Portman. Mila Kunis, Vincent Cassell, Winona Ryder, and adding to our, our great long list of difficult mothers, Barbara Hershey. Uh, so it's been ten years, it's been eight years. Uh, oh my gosh, it's been that long? It, it has been that long. It's, it's astounding, the amount of stuff that has happened in the meantime. What is your experience with the movie then and now? Um, this was one I saw in the theaters. I saw it multiple times in the theaters and mm-hmm. i'd like to give a shout out to our audience members you had put out on twitter which of the remaining nominees should we do an extra podcast on i was kind of worried people were going to go with inception which is a fine film i was excited to talk about this one. so yay thank you audience members thank you twitter thank you for, thank you for all who voted you made this episode happen yes so i'd really like to give a shout out to them because this is a movie that is my kind of movie as in you see it and then I have to hunt down people who have seen it so I can sit and talk to them. And so you've all given me the opportunity to do that. So thank you very much. I loved it. I get something different out of it every single time. Really. And I love Darren Aronofsky. This is one of his few movies I can see more than once. Because Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. I was, you know, that, was, that was actually one of my first questions. Your familiarity with Aronofsky's oeuvre. I have seen Requiem for a Dream. I've read, he's he's one that, you know, Vanity Fair always does lots of articles about his films. Yeah. And Requiem for a Dream is one of the most physically difficult movies to sit through. And to actually make you feel not just, oh, this is sad, or oh, this is funny, but to actually make you feel like you're physically ill watching it. Mm. The other thing with that movie is, one, Ellen Burstyn, of course, was robbed for an Oscar. Amazing. I am an Ellen Burstyn fangirl. I love her and everything she's in. She also reminds me of my best friend's little Italian mother. <laughs> so that scene where she's talking to him about the red dress and what's the point of getting out of bed every morning. Oh, God. Yes. If you can watch that and not immediately call your mother afterwards and be like, I love you. You've got issues, but the fact that it reminds me of my best friend's mother is even more heartbreaking because mm-hmm. this woman is the kindest. She's an Italian mother. You know, she's the one that if you showed up at her house at 11 o'clock at night, she'd make you a whole meal, give you good hugs, love, make you feel everything's okay. Yeah. Um, the Wrestler is one of my favorite films. Black Swan is also one of my favorite Very films. All, all two of those movies are on the same film. Top 100, yes. We're, I think if we go back through all the episodes, we're going to able to be able to piece together are, what I'm films gonna... are on the Amy Thompson Top 100, because we've talked about so many films here. Uh, as for Black Swan, I saw this back in 2010, 
as well. Uh, I think I only saw it in the theater once, and I think it was at Lincoln Square, which is very close to the uh, the ballet, the new the the Met, and like, oh, this is this feels all kind of all all kind of fun. It does, and I've seen ballets there, so I yeah. feel very she she right now. I actually saw I actually saw two thousand one A Space Odyssey, which is definitely on the Stephen Buja top one hundred. Uh, at, at with with a live orchestra at, uh, at 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 Lincoln Center, it was it was amazing. Never watch it again no, no, it's, it's it's very hard. But uh, as for as for Aronofsky, I think he is the only director whose films I have all seen in the theater. It's, it's mostly because he you know he started you know his first movie Pie, which came out in ninety eight, was like right around the time I started going to the movies by myself. And you know, like all the big guys, Spielberg, I was he was making movies before I was even born. So, so there's that, but I've seen all of his movies in the theater, uh, including Requiem, which, uh, is the only time I have seen that movie, uh, despite it being, it also being one of the greatest movies of the 21st century. I will not watch it again. I think the same can be said for mother, uh, which is, uh, incredible. And I will fight anyone who says otherwise, uh, it's a, a, yeah, it's it, it, but the mother Aronofsky has this thing where it's about the mad, obsessive, and creative type, and he also has this religious aspect to it. And usually, and, the, and there's a blend, there's a blend. You have the religious films in, um, in The Fountain, which I think is one of my all time favorite films, and Noah, which, uh, you know, it has its problems, but is amazing. And Mother kind of takes all of that and create. You know, you have the character of Javier Bardem, who is this, who is God and creation, and he he blends it all together uh, brilliantly. Interesting relationships between parents and children. If you look at Requiem for a Dream, you've got that with the mother and the son. In the Wrestler, you have that with um, Mickey Rourke and his daughter. Yep. And Rachel Wood. This film. <laughs> yeah. Well, he know, he knows. You know, the 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 basis of all stories are is the are relationships, and there are no stronger relationships. And more rife for drama than these tales between parents and children, and he and he he exploits that in this way that is, you know, you're seeing it in an Aronofsky film because it's about somebody who get who is really good and really obsessed with this one thing, and it dry and it will always drive them to the point of madness, and they will usually kill themselves in. In their quest for whatever it is they're going for. But after achieving greatness. Oh yes, but after achieving greatness, and 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 we, and we will definitely we will definitely talk about uh, this, especially in re- with in relation to Aronofsky's previous film, which was The Wrestler, uh, about similar uh, artistic tropes. But uh, first, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss the uh, Academy Awards that Black Swan was nominated for and won so that year. Uh, thank you so much to the Academy. This is insane. Um, and I, I truly, sincerely wish that the prize tonight was to get to work with my fellow nominees. I'm so in awe of you. Um, I am so grateful to get to do the job that I do. I love it so much. I want to thank my parents, um, who are right there, first and foremost, for giving me my life and for giving me the opportunity um, to work uh, from such an early age and showing me every day how to be a good human being by example. And um, I want to thank my team uh, who works with me every day, um, Aline Kashishin, my manager, for 
18 years, and um, my agents, Kevin Huvane and everyone at CAA, uh, Brenna and Tamar at ID, my friends who are everything to me, no matter what's going on in my career, um, and everyone who's ever hired me, um, Luke Besson, who gave me my first job when I was 11 years old, um, Mike Nichols, who has been my hero and my champion for the past decade, um, and now Darren Aronofsky, you are um, a fearless leader, a visionary. I am blessed to have just gotten to get to work with you every day um, for the period of time we did. So many people helped me prepare for this role. Um, Mary Helen Bauer spent a year with me, training me. Um, Michelle Rodriguez and um, Kurt Froman and uh, Olga uh, Kostritsky, sorry, uh, Marina Stavskaya, and um, my beautiful love, Benjamin Milpier, who choreographed the film and um, has now given me my most important role uh, of my life. And um, also, there are people on films that no one ever um, talks about um, that are your heart and soul every day. Um, Margie and Jordy, who did my hair and makeup, um, Nikki, who dressed me, and Kate and Laura Malivi, who designed the beautiful ballet costumes. Um, Joe Reedy, our incredible AD, first AD, and um, our camera operators, JC and Steve, you gave me so much soul behind the camera every day, and you gave me all of your energy. Um, most importantly, my, my family, my friends, and my love. Thank you so much. <laughs> Black Swan was nominated for a total of five Academy Awards at the 83rd Annual Oscars. One one. It was a big one. Which one was it, Amy? Natalie Portman, for reasons we will discuss later. Yes, she won she won Best Actress. Um, looking over the list, you go, this is a fine list, but no, I can't I can't I can't give it to anybody else other than Portman. Real. Yeah, she she like she put herself through trauma, psych psychologically and physically, the way Leo wishes he could put himself through trauma, you know, for uh, for all of his roles. She um, transformed herself, she abused herself, and she achieved greatness, as it were. She was previously nominated for the very, 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 very underappreciated film Closer. Uh, back in I think two thousand four, and uh, just recently, two years ago. She was nominated for uh, her stunning portrayal of uh, Jackie Onassis in the film Jackie, which uh, I didn't love so much, but the performance she gives is uh, absolute dynamite. And I, you, there, there, there could be a case that she should have won for that as well, if not for that instead. But that'll be a uh, conversation for better men and women than uh, than she, us she was very good and closer and it was directed by my boyfriend mike nichols mm -hmm. i have a problem with that movie though and it has nothing to do with the direction or the acting they changed to the end of the play i read it as a play before it ever oh i didn't know it was a play before oh okay it was a play and i read it when i was a young theater intern and i was a literary intern mm -hmm. at a theater which was story for another time but i read the play and yeah. i absolutely loved it her character in the play actually dies, and it makes much more of an emotional impact, but we're not going there. She's amazing. And every – she is almost, to me, and this is going to sound like a weird stretch, a female Colin Firth. Women who love literature and books and were English majors all love Colin Firth. 
they're not going for the Vin Diesel type. They're going for the British, like you can sit yes. and drink a cup of tea. I feel like that with Natalie Portman. I think a lot of guys, first of all, because she's shatteringly beautiful and she's so pretty. But she also seems like you could talk to her about like a like she seems like she reads books. And well, she went to Harvard, so you know what I mean. She's she's kind of smart. Yeah, she's not. She doesn't just seem like Hollywood. I'm gonna get the fake tan today, and you know I'm doing all kinds of trendy things. She seems like she reads, and you can discuss world things with her. And on top of that, she's gorgeous. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And she's uh, and she's Princess Leia's mom, which is kind of cool. Despite this, this, despite I have this very odd relationship—not that I have a relationship with Natalie Portman—but uh, I I feel, I know that she is talented. She there is she acts in a, a way that is unlike anybody else, and that's the wounded uh, this sort of wounded deer sort of way, which works when she is paired with the right material like this or with Jackie. It, she is dynamite. This she has this lilting way of, of speaking that is just a little off-putting. Though I though I though I know there's so much that goes that goes into it. Uh, she's not my not my most favorite of actresses, but she is uh, she is quite good. Well, she and 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 uh, the and at the very least she has not gone the Hollywood star route. So she picks very interesting things. I did not enjoy the film Annihilation. But I understand that it is a very, you know, there were a lot of interesting things going on there. It was the execution that really sunk that film. But the execution here in Black Swan was very good. So much so that it got nominated for four other Academy Awards, including Best Picture, which is why we're here to talk about it. Darren Aronofsky picked up a Best Director nod. Matthew Libatique, Aronofsky's longtime collaborator, was nominated for Best Cinematography, and good on him, and as well as Best Editing by, for Andrew Weisblum. Uh, very good edited movie. It's very it's a very tight film, and uh, we'll and, and, and we'll discuss the uh, the editing tricks and and tactics used certainly because it is a deceptively well done, crafted uh, from a from a ta- uh, stagecraft and technical way film that. Uh, is one of the is one of those things that makes you feel good. Like this is what special effects and filmmaking and the wonder of movies is all about. But uh, if you'd like to hear more about the 83rd annual Academy Awards, you can listen to either the King's Speech or literally any of the other films we talked about this year. King's Speech had the, had the biggest one where he went to, went down with all the nominees and and whatnot because that ultimately ended up winning Best Picture. But it was a great year. It uh, it certainly it's certainly a great year for films nominated for Best Picture that would uh, that should have attracted more because you go this is the kind these are the kind of movies we want nominated they aren't these, these tiny little costumey dramas that nobody sees and whatnot they're actually big and and kind of fun and great alas the way things were I suppose <laughs> so uh, we're gonna take another short break and come back and discuss Black Swan. Yes. Can't be her. Can't be her. Okay, why don't you just go and catch up later? What's going on? Lily. You made her my ultimate. Well, there's always an alternate. Lily's the best choice. No, but she wants my role. <laughs> Every dancer in the world wants your role. No, this is different. She's after me. She's trying to replace me. Nobody's after you. No, please believe me. Hey. I know it's been a struggle. 
just had a breakthrough this morning. Tomorrow's yours. Just give a great performance and you won't have to worry about Lily or anybody else. Now go home and rest. Amy, it has been eight years. Maybe folks don't quite remember. What is Black Swan all about? A young dancer. Well, she's not so young. She's 27. She's 27. Yes. Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure. I had read that when I did my research for the paper. So she's 27. Uh, Has a chance to play the role of the Swan Queen in Swan Swan Lake. And she's driven to the point of madness to change herself so she can play the black swan along with the white swan. What is your familiarity with ballet in general? You're a theater person. Does that, does that extend to the opera and to ballet or is it just theater and musicals? It sort of does. Um, I didn't take ballet or dance in any kind of really formal kind of a way. Like we had a woman who would come to our elementary school and every Friday, like she'd put a little routine and we would do it. But I, but it was not like dance training. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It wasn't the bar and the this and the that. Um, I was lucky. I grew up outside of New York city about 19 miles away. And so my mom and like my friend's moms were all friends. And so they would take us to Lincoln center. So I've seen the nutcracker, several times i've seen i haven't seen swan lake but i saw firebird sleeping beauty and i was very very fortunate to do that i find ballet to be very boring and tedious to watch i can watch it in movies like this where it's short but sometimes like opera i have sat through the marriage of figaro i like the music i can't say that i love it or that i actually enjoy going like if i had a choice I would gladly go if someone gave me tickets. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, but, a, it's a very, it's a very high, high I, class night out. I appreciate night it, but sometimes, like, fuck, the first act of *The Marriage of Figaro* was like two hours long, and it's a four-act opera, and so by the end, like, oh my god, I was ready to like, let's wrap it up, folks. Let's finish up these little arias and like, mm-hmm. move it along. But I respect it, and I feel like ballet is a very insul- insular world and i think that's one of the reasons why aronofsky chose it mm-hmm. because it is sort of like a peek into this world of it's discipline you're doing things with your body that your body is not supposed to be doing like putting all of your body weight on your toes yeah so it looks beautiful and graceful but it's painful and you know, you're starve. You know, a lot of them starve themselves. You know, and it's just you know their bodies are all strange. And I'm not, I'm not dissing ballet dancers because they're amazing disciplined, but it's very unnatural almost. Yeah, in the unnatural, in order to find some sort of higher beauty, it's a, it's a, it's very much exposing the ugly side of, yeah. the, of the ballet. Just all the work they do. Just like if you've ever, if you've ever seen a ballet dancer's foot, they're there's a reason they wear those those uh, those shoes because they're they are all mangled and broken and they're just uh, so ugly in order to be so beautiful elsewhere. It's ballet is like I don't understand it. Of the body and yeah. some women are very naturally slender and beautiful and God bless them. If you're like I mean I'm not I'm not body shaming anyone, but 
if you have hips or breasts, you can't really do it. Right, right. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that, uh, that in a little bit. Uh, I am not that familiar with ballet. I think it begins kind of with parts of Amadeus and ends pretty much here with uh, with my ballet experience and there's very little in between uh, i've never seen i've never seen the red shoes which i'm sure is going to come up because oh. it comes up all the time with relation to this film can't speak to Scorsese considers that one of the most inspirational films well then i should i should i will add it to the very long list of things but what uh one thing i do like about uh black swan is that aronofsky recognizes that a lot of people do not go to the ballet. They don't understand it. It's too expensive. It's too far. It's not for them. It's long. It's boring. So what, do, what does he have Vincent Cassell do? He comes in when all the, and all the ballet, ballerinas are practicing, and he explains the plot of Swan Lake to everybody. And I thought that was just brilliant. It's brilliant shorthand for getting the audience on board with what is about to come uh, come ahead because it's because nice exposition there, my friends. Nice exposition. Yes, because in not understanding that, I think you would feel a little bit lost as to the what is going to happen because this is a very emotional roller coaster, psychological thriller ride that Natalie Portman is beset upon, and it's real and it's all it's all it's a it's a narrative inside a narrative. You have the the narrative of the narrative of Swan Lake which is about this woman being sort of like her being is torn in two, the good side, the dark side and the, and the, and the, and the light side, which also going further, also hilarious because she's a, because she's in star Wars. And she's also a human and a swan. Yeah. She's also human. as well. this transformation, but you also have um, Natalie Portman who's undergoing this severe transformation. It is uh, a true loss of innocence tale and it can, you know, and it gets very, uh, very dark and very, um, shall we say, body horror-ish. So uh, uh, we do have to, I'm like, I think the, the movie really begins and ends with Natalie Portman. So let's talk about this. Uh, firstly, did she deserve the Academy Award that year? Oh, a thousand percent. And one thing that I really liked that Aronofsky did is as innocent as she is, and she isn't innocent at the beginning, mm -hmm. there are definite signs. It's not such a, whoa, how did this happen? There are little signs from the beginning of the movie that think that she is not all balanced in the head. Oh, tell me about those, actually. Which ones, uh, which ones are you uh, referring to? When she comes home and she's got those scratches on her back, yes. her mother says, Oh my gosh, have you been scratching yourself again? Again, yes. Again. Yes. And that her first reaction to, I think even finding out that they're doing Swamp Lake is she goes in the bathroom and throws up. Mm -hmm. And she calls her mom. Hi, mom. And it's like she's a high school child. No, it's, it's, it's not mom. I think it's mommy. mommy. I think she says mommy. mommy. And she's like crying and all that. And you're like, that's not something most 27-year-olds would do. They might call their mom and be like, oh my gosh, mom, I'm so excited. I'm, I talk to my parents like every single day. I only see them a couple times a year, but like we're on a daily basis. I call them mom and dad. And, but she doesn't seem to have any friends either. I mean, no. so like I said, and so her mother's like, we're going to have to get the shrugs out again. So they've had to buy her these things to cover her back because she scratches herself. Right. 
So you know she's already a little... Yeah, she's... There's something a little off about her, which right. makes the transformation and the madness, it just kind of becomes full-blown. Right. What And what what I like about her, the way she starts out, is that it's not she's just this way and you're like, oh, that's that's to be expected. She's this way because her mother, Barbara Hershey, difficult mom, wants her to be this way. She is so infantilized, as you say. She doesn't have any friends. She lives with her mother, who was also a dancer and who has devoted her entire life to Nina's success as a ballerina at the uh, in in the, uh, in the Lincoln Center. Now, she even you know, she like she, and, like there are these little things. She like has this room where it's just portraits of Nina uh, drawn, and you're like, this is. There is something so unsettling and not right about this that, of course, only Aronofsky can do it, and that it really speaks to this. This girl has this girl is going to break away from this, and I am so fascinated to see what she is going to turn into. And the catalyst for that is getting is, is going for the lead of Swan Lake, going for the Swan, the Swan Queen. Not getting it, and then uh, essentially, like, kind of sexually assaulting her, her men, the the director who will get into Vincent Cassell as well. And I have just a question about the mother. I wasn't sure. Maybe I remember this. The mother had uh, had always been in the course. She'd never been a principal dancer. Didn't she have to give up her career because she got pregnant? With I believe Alice so. I believe so. So she okay. sort of. That's a big thing. And not only does she again still live with her mother when. She's scratching herself. Instead of being like, here are the nail clippers, you should probably clip your nails, the mother grabs her hands and is cutting her nails for her. Right. I have a five-year-old and, you know, and a three-year-old's daughter. That's what I do. Yeah. But she's 27. Right. It's, uh, it's, yeah, she's... Let me hold your hand and do it. And looking at her fingernails and stuff. And I was like, you know, I'm close with my mom. My mom doesn't grab my hands and look at my fingernails and trim them for me. Right. Yeah. She, but, you know, Nina, Nina's, got, Nina's, got a, Nina's got a Kafka-esque transformation coming. She's not going to turn into a beetle, but she, uh, it's sure going to be rough for her cockroach. And Sorry. getting to the, that cake. Oh, yeah. And the cake, you're like, oh, yeah. But, it, like, but, when, but when Nina says, Mom, I can't have it, her first, the mom's first reaction is to throw the entire thing out and like this. She doesn't even fit. say she won't have it. She says just a little piece. She doesn't. She's not like mom. I I can't have it. She's just like oh, just a little piece. And she's like fine. You don't want it. Fine. I'll just throw it away. Wait. Like, Whoa. This is like something's like I don't get this. And she's um. So there there are multiple relationships in the film. There's uh, Nina and her mother. Mother is holding. Nina down as a, as a child. She wants her to be forever young, kind of that. She like like. Enjoy it though. Yeah, and she she seems to enjoy it because like because, well because she gets that you know the the mom gets that little sense of like I'm living vicariously through my daughter, and Nina gets to say this the comfort of living in a albeit kind of shitty but absolutely real uptown apartment. So we have that. So in a pink bedroom. In a That's pink bedroom, and we will definitely, and we'll definitely talk about the the, the production design. I want to focus on the relationship. So you have there are these these central relationships. There's the mom who is keeping her innocent. There's Vincent Cassell's Leroy, the artistic director of the troupe, who wants her to find the black swan. He knows that Nina can can dance the white the white swan. She's 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 perfect. She's great. 
but can't does she have the the drive the oomph the inner fire to play the black the black swan he thinks that she does because he's seen a flash of it at the beginning and then you have this character who i like i never never paid much attention to because i wasn't entirely sure uh, when I first saw it, like, why is why is Mila Kunis here? Mila Kunis is that is this bridge. Mila Kunis is the fun one, the sexy one, the carefree one. And uh, and she smokes. She's got a tattoo on her back, which you figure for a ballerina, where you have to expose so much skin. You're like, why would you get this huge thing on your back? She wears her hair down when she dances. It's, I know. It's 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 she it, she's she's the free spirit. And uh and and I liked her because she is the on some level, Nina, Natalie Portman, understands that this is who I'm supposed to be. And so she starts getting all of these uh, ideas in her head. She starts hanging out with um, uh, Lily. That's, that's her name. Who, who, is by all, who seems, by all accounts, like a totally reasonable and normal uh, person. Uh, certainly, like... In you know a twenty a twenty something in New York City, you go like okay yeah she is um she's there she's the so she becomes the um, the asp the aspiration but because Nina's going crazy she ultimately sees uh, Lily as as the competition because I think there is a there is a need there to hold back against her but and ultimately destroy her because Nina is, Nina is projecting onto Lily. This this the the darkness that is that is her and what the, and she has to kill her before finally being able to you know before finally being able to to assume the position. Um, so I, so I, just just to back up a back up a little bit, uh, there is this there's this one famous scene that I'm sure all of your your guy friends talk about <laughs> with with regards to with regards to uh, to Nina and and I don't want to go you know talk about the the graphicness of it, but because it is, fellas, it, it is, it is. But uh, why do you think Nina Nina has this uh, this 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 quote unquote lezzy wet dream about uh, Lily? Oh, when she calls it that too, yeah, you're like, oh, that is so. Well, it feels it feels dirty. She's. It's not so much that she desires her, but it's the. That feeling of when you see someone who it's not just like wow she's hot like I I saw the movie I'm like wow Mila Kunis like you're gorgeous and very sexy but it was more she's everything that she wants to be everything she knows that she's supposed to be mm-hmm. and so she gets obsessed with that and she's so she is frigid when the guy Toma asks her you know have you are you a virgin and she's like. No, you almost think she's lying. Yeah, I, no, I, I, th- I, th- I think she is. And she, you know, when Tama asks, like, "Oh, do you enjoy sex?" She doesn't actually answer. She, she sort of goes, she, she goes, she huh, really, huh. really flustered. She's not like, "Oh my gosh, I totally do." It's just doing. I mean, this is a professional dancer. She's aware of what's part of her job. She knows what acting is. You know what I mean? It's right. not like you're taking someone not in theater and like all of a sudden, oh, now you have to do this big love scene. But I think there is a little bit of desire, and I don't think it's necessarily like, oh, I'm in love with you. I think it's – she desires her as a human being, not as a, a woman. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I, I, she's I think attracted to the person, not the gender. Yeah. And, 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 but, 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 
arouses all of these unknown feelings in her sexual feelings, she doesn't really have anywhere to project them to. So it's like she's the sexual person. She's a beautiful woman. She's what I need to loosen up. She's what I need to be. And so it really, on all those levels, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Or that, oh, I think Nina's a lesbian because I don't think she is. No, no, I don't, no, I don't think she is. And plus, and plus it's, it, it, is, it, is a, it is a dream of sorts. And in it, we see more of the unraveling of Nina's psyche because she starts seeing herself um, as her. So yeah, as as Lily, and it becomes it becomes very it becomes very dark and convoluted, and like she's she's breaking down. She's like kind of giving in to her baser desires, like this 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 dark this dark urge, this dark and, passenger, as and it were. Is like the director to want to get into that. I think a lot of people in their lives, I'm not making judgments on anyone, anybody like just, just say, put it out here. But I feel like having those thoughts in the deep recesses of your mind, I think more people have them than we think. Right. I think we just keep them very, very, very hidden. And Aronofsky is like the best director to go in and find all those little deep seated things. A lot of people have very deep private fantasies that in reality they would never want to do right. on any kind of actual level, but it's just in the back, very, very back of their head, they have these thoughts. And Nina is totally the kind of person who has tons of thoughts like yeah, these. But she represses she, them so much because of her mom. Them. And maybe if she weren't so repressed, she might not have even had the dream because she wouldn't need to. Right. Well, if if she weren't so repressed, we would not have not have the story yeah. at all. There would just be like, and talented woman gets picked to lead to head swan lake and does does wonderfully that's not that exciting uh like a larger question about that is that uh it's still a gendered world men have the why is why is losing innocence so often equated with a sexual awakening like and this is this is nina's this is nina's sexual awakening let's let's be honest like i don't think she's ever actually had sex and like why why is that and is uh aronofsky is good at this but in the in, in the world we live in, is Aronofsky, dude, three writers, dude, the one to be telling this particular story? Um, I think it's okay for him to, because again, I don't I don't think that this is a feminist movie. Mm-hmm. And just like I don't think her being with Mina Q. Cunies, even though some people might find it erotic, I don't think that was the purpose of the scene. He very is he's very good at creating these awful mentally scarring sex scenes. Requiem for a dream. Anybody? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh. With, again, it's Jennifer Connolly. She's one of the most beautiful women on the planet, and yet it is the most awful, non erotic. Oh, it's so it's so not sexy. You know, you just, you know what I mean? And it's almost humiliating to watch. You're like, oh, I can't even watch this. And just like I feel like this, this isn't a hot lesbian scene. No. At all. It's much more of like a masturbation scene. And which is why when she wakes up, she so or realizes it didn't happen. She's so shocked right. because it was so real. But it was all of those things flooding through her body. And right now, all of her focus is on her. So that's why that scene makes sense. Yeah. Which definitely, I think, is a great segue into Vincent Cassell's character, uh, artistic director Leroy. I would call him skeevy. I'd call him very European. 
I would uh, also think he would not survive the Me Too purge of last year. I think the I think the Met and uh, Lincoln Center Opera they just lost you know, a bunch of very high and artistic uh, troops have lost their like sort of ringleaders because of stuff like this, and um, he is uh, he's he's terrible. But you know I it's what he's doing in pushing and pushing her and like sexually assaulting her seducing nina during that during that one that one practice scene Literally is grabs her. yeah grabs her like it's terrible and uh at the, at the time they were at the time we were acknowledging that it's terrible but why is he pushing is he is he pushing nina for the reasons he's saying he's pushing nina to get her to open the hell up and become the black swan to, to find that inner sexy dark goddess thing or is he is it is is it more is it more venal is it more just i want to sleep with all the uh, all, all the women like i slept with Winona Ryder okay here's what i think okay i think there are certain men who treat women this way and I really think that in their own minds, they are actually not doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? I really think like 95% of his brain is, I need her to open up. I also think he's a little bit twisted. And I don't necessarily think he wants to sleep with everyone. I think he's aroused by the fact that she is so innocent and uptight. Yeah. And I think he gets a very sick pleasure from fucking with her like that yeah. from shocking her right he's the he's the i think roth rothbard character the 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 evil tempter who's not the prince in in blacks in the in swan lake like, oh he's in love with her and he just thinks she's beautiful it's not like that at all it's much more like wow here's this uptight chick and that he kind of gets off on the fact that he knows he's making her uncomfortable and making her uncomfortable is an enormous and using his power over her gives him arouses him yeah but it, but yeah but it, it but it's all for about power it's not just wow she's a really beautiful woman i'd like to take her out for dinner that's not what it is it's a power thing it is an enjoyment of her pain hmm. yeah and and it's and a um and, but to him it's all for I need you to. I need you to but be this. So therefore, be, so yeah, because the, the the ends are going to justify the means right now. You know, um, he has a, he has. A, he kisses her at the beginning, and she bites him. That that's why she got the part. Yeah, because she that that flash of that flash of oh, there's something there's something I got a little little yeah. I find that sexy that she got angry and hurt and offended. And I want to see where this is going to. And I, I want to see what she's going to do with it which I think is the mentality of a lot of these toxic guys. There are yeah. men that prey on women yeah. and enjoy not just, oh, I really want to have a relationship with you. That it's, I enjoy making you uncomfortable. Right. I enjoy I, making you, I, I, but I enjoy making you mine because there, uh, the other character here is the character of Beth, who was the former prima ballerina who is retiring, played by uh, the wonderful Monona Ryder in, like great breakdowny Winona Ryder fashion. Who is she's uh, drinking? She's kind of just been ruined. She's like, depressed and like hates her life. 
And uh, there, there's this great, there's this great thing where Leroy calls Beth little princess. And you're like, oh, that that that's kind Infant- of infantilized. Yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah, with the inf- infantilizing. But like, it's more of a like my little princess uh, issue going on. And then, but then, then at the at the end, when all when it's we're we're coming to the the climax of the film, what does Leroy call Nina? Little princess. Little princess. He has just moved. He just moved on. The one that pointed that out because I wouldn't have picked up on it if she said, "Oh, well." Well, I guess he's going to start calling you little princess. Like, no, that's just for Beth. Like, no, it's for the uh, most. Uh, I don't want to say it's not the most powerful woman, but the. Most- the the most special the most useful woman to him it is strictly it's not even like he doesn't he doesn't actually really care about nina he cares what he can extract from nina not in a sexual sense although that is the way he's going to get that but he just needs her to be the best dancer yeah it's 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 weird in that he's like gross but you like on the one like Aronofsky make, makes it so you kind of get it, but at the same time, it's still really gross. And it's about the power structure. He's this tempter, this devil that is pull that is yanking the darkness out of out of Nina in a just a, in a in a horrid in a horrid way, and forcing you know forcing her to consider and question. And it's not which is not to say that character growth is not good. Uh, it's just it's just the entire film is super uncomfortable because she has to uh blossom into this char- this new this whole new character in a very short amount of time and in she order literally to... has to kill herself to do it yes everything about herself her spirit gets completely broken right and for and for what it's for the artistic uh perfection. yeah it's for it's for it's for perfection what what is the what's her last line it's perfect it's perfect that's and you're like it was, but at what cost do we suffer for our art? Yeah, you're 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 not doing so. Like, is is the is the art is the, your passion? Is it worth your life? And uh, Aronofsky, uh, I think he kind of comes down on the yes, it is worth your life. the 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 obsessive quest for uh, immortality in the fountain is worth. Hugh, Hugh Jackman's existence. The search for the hidden code of the universe is worth um, Sean uh, Sean Gallet's uh, brain in pie. It's it's always he, you like whatever whatever your quest is in an Aronofsky film, it's going to destroy you, and you won't even get to enjoy it that long either because you're you'll it's almost like you you achieve it and then it's well okay you got what you wanted. Now here's now here's the price. So uh, I guess the question with because it ends on a similar note as the wrestler, uh, with uh, you know wrestler ends with Mickey Rourke jumping off the ring and he's not supposed to do that or else he'll die. That might kill him. He's been told. Yeah, he's been he's been he's been told. So uh, we never see it, but uh, I do have to ask: Does Nina and conversely Mickey Rourke do they die at the end of the movie? I always felt like they did. Yes. Me too. Me too. I, it, it makes because they've even got they've got the pulling away or they've got the white light usually at the end, and it's subtle. But also, maybe Aronofsky saying this is what it takes to be great. This is what separates genius and long-lasting immortality to everyday people who are gonna be like, "Wait, you want me to do what? I'm not gonna do that. Right. that that's gonna hurt. You yeah. know, that's gonna." I'll, lose myself and most people would be like 
dude, you're nuts. Right. Let I'll, me just, I'll be in the core and I'll do my pirouettes or right. whatever. Although I, I don't know if I get the, I get the sense because Aronofsky, he's a, he's a family man. He's, he was, was married to Rachel Weiss, and I think he's dating Jennifer Lawrence. No. no, they did, but they broke up they after bro- Mother because she said all he ever wanted to do was obsess and talk about this film. Oh, okay then. Well then, uh, and then the whole thing, and she's like, "No, he was obsessed." And there were times that I was like, "We need to like not," because I can imagine for Jennifer Lawrence, that's a that's a set you need to go home and watch like episodes of Seinfeld and get a couple laughs. Yeah, you need because to do she's something so obsessive. Else. And of course, if you see his movies about artists, performers, ranging from wrestling all these small insular communities you still connect with them but it doesn't surprise me at all that he's like totally obsessive and he's okay. obsessed with the reviews and all those things not a surprise at all okay now, I, 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 I was going to say i was like i'm wondering if this is a commentary on the um the, the sacrificial nature of art and how it's like it's a criticism of it but it sounds like you know he actually he actually believes this he gives it his all and his all is certainly great. I uh, maybe I'm not in love with all of his movies, but I respect the hell out of each I'll and every see one. Any of his movies. Oh yeah, and they're and they're they're, and they're I'll be like, no, I still want to see it. Yeah, he. I want to see it because I think he's very important, and I always like to know what he has to say. Yeah, and he, it's it's all music. It's all he's taking the same song and he's sort of uh he's playing jazz with it but it's still you you, you still hear this it's still the same thing underneath it all mm-hmm. but uh all that aside uh he is um in addition to being the great master of the the fucked up and the obsessed uh uh like I, he is a he has a great eye towards the technical and practical side of filmmaking it's not just he's a good storyteller he knows how to have the frame and the images and the sound tell the story. Uh, it was similar to the King's Speech, in which I commented on, like the like the set, the production design, the sets. They don't just serve as window dressing; they serve as little bits of character in and of themselves. And uh, most notably, what I love is Nina's bedroom. It's pink. It's girly. There are stuffed animals. It's like she got to age 13 and just stopped there's no there's no sign of an adult woman there it's all it's so frou-frou and and fancy as to be very unsettling that this 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 grown-ass woman goes goes home to this and i i and uh and 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 i love that and so then i i loved the little touch when nina threw away all of her stuffed animals i felt very sad because i'm uh I have a lot of stuffed animals. Uh, yes, I am a 35-year-old man, and I, I, I do have a daughter, but uh, I do have a lot of stuffed animals. And I got, uh, I got most of them before I had my daughter. Thank you very much. <laughs> I still, so I felt a little sad, sad for that. But uh, in addition to the set design, the special effects works, they do not get enough credit in this movie. No. Um, it's subtle. It's small. You have... Like I, I always love uh, when mirrors don't behave the way they're supposed to. You have Nina looking into the mirror, and then it's the reflection takes a little while, or it's a different Nina, and it's it's so subtle as to be so convincing a thing, uh, which which is which is what I like about it. Even at the opening of the film, and you had said, "How do we know at the beginning she's already losing it?" So she finds out about the part. She puts on this 
gorgeous pink coat, by the way. The whole mm-hmm. first time I was like, I love that coat. I want that coat. And it's pink, and it's got little cap sleeves, so it's got a little gathering at the shoulders. So, And this white, poofy scarf, which, fabulous. Yeah. But as far as she gets on the bus, and she bumps into someone, and she turns around and looks at them, the woman turns around and looks at her, and she sees her face on this woman. Yes. Flash. So quick. I don't know if I got it the first time. But that's how you know this girl's already a little mentally. Yeah, she's 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 very wound. She's very wound up at yes. this point. I'm very wound up at this point. And the um, the when you see the like the chicken flesh appear on her skin, it's the most natural thing. I'm wondering like how the hell did they do this? And, like all all of the face swapping is very is very impressive and does not get the, enough credit because it is a their fingers and the fingers. Oh. Be- God, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The bo- the body horror in this, it's it's um, frank and brutal, uh, uh, bloody bloody affair. That that Aronofsky just is like he does he doesn't he doesn't linger on it, but you see just enough to like really cringe you. She pulls the uh, the the skin from her fingernail, and that's all a dream. You have uh, Winona Ryder, who we're not sure if this actually happens, but she just stabs herself in the face with uh i think it's, is it a nail file it's that sharp nail file and of yeah. course if you're thinking why does this who gave this person a nail file but it was it was nina's because you know yeah. she, she she drops it and, and so it probably didn't happen which also uh one of the um, one of the inspirations for this uh movie was a, a great 90s anime called perfect blue which features an iron and a singer who goes crazy uh, as she embarks on a solo career, but it does feature a very famous um, stabbing scene involving a screwdriver, which feels like a very direct connection to the uh, the incident with Beth in it. Uh, do check it out. It's called Perfect Blue. Uh, really good. Aronofsky has stated that it's a direct influence on this on this movie as as well. Yeah. So and it's it, it's technically technically great. The music is. Uh, really unsettling. It all, the entire film is unsettling. And even what, except when it's beautiful, there's something so beautiful about it. Because, like, watching the women dance, you go, man, that is just like, and it's, that is so, it is so, it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful to see. And it made me see the ballet. Yeah, it did. I did. I'm like, what are, what is the next show? I, you know, went on iTunes and played the, yeah. Oh, yeah. I find like Tchaikovsky just play me all of the Tchaikovsky right now. Do, yeah. Do, do you feel like you you walked out with a greater appreciation for ballet and the ballet dancers? Like you said, I I've seen like and I've seen the honestly I've seen the best. I went to New York City, saw it at Lincoln Center, so I've seen the best, and it really is. It's beautiful. It's breathtaking, and it's so impossible when you think about what these people do to their bodies. It's, it's not just. It's a whole. Oh, it's a thing. It's a it's terrible it's terrible it's terrible um yeah uh we gotta talk about barbara hershey really quickly what do you what do you make of her performance in this and how does how does it fall along other aronofsky kind of mom roles i don't she was not nominated for best supporting actress no ridiculous even more than cuny's actually Barbara, no, Barbara Hershey had 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 the the bigger, showier role, and I think, and de- deserved more, a nomination. 
it's hard to, as crazy as she is, it's also hard to know how much of that is real, especially once you get towards the end. And I was going to ask you about this because at the end, spoiler, but the movie's been out for a while, so bear with me. When Nina's, oh, when she's got her socks over her hands, which is, again, right. something you do with a baby so they don't scratch themselves. I did that. And that she's terrified for her daughter, and you get that. However, if you're that terrified, most people would bring their daughter to a hospital or, you know, call an ambulance, have her put in a psych ward for a while. You're in New York City. There are available options. Why keep her at home? Because only I can take protect care of her, her yourself, which is a very twisted thing to do. You know what I'm saying? But then when she goes and she runs and it looks like she's escaping, all of a sudden, then you see your mother in the audience and her mother's just like, like nothing out of the ordinary. So you're like, did that whole mm-hmm. scene actually right. happen? But 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 the thing is, like, I think something did happen because uh, Natalie Portman slams the door on Barbara Hershey's hand and then we, and you see and you see you see it bandaged and you go I yeah. th- like okay I think that 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 did in fact occur and I don't remember if we see the the bandage on her hand at the um at the she's at the, in the, audience. At the but uh, then again the question is was she actually sitting in the audience or is that just Nina's uh psyche sort of projecting onto itself like she needs like despite all the the bad stuff her mother has done. There has been, she has obviously done a lot of good. So she still needs her there to see her in this moment, to see her, to see this perfection. And there's, and there's sort of a, and I think there's a, a split because in some ways, and at the beginning of the movie, Natalie Portman almost says it to her mother when she's like, Oh, you know, the mother says, Oh, this role is really important. Nina says to her mother, well, how would you know? You never, and then she stops. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, like there's a little bit of snap. What were you going to say? And you know it's because the mother never made it that far. Right, yeah. it's I I, I love seeing those little bits of the darkness in Nina, like flash. It's so real, though. It's so so natural. Yeah. That she says, and we all have things that we start to say, and we're like, oh, I'm not going to go there. And and she's like, no, no, mommy. And she kind of goes back to being little baby girl again. And then at the end, she's like, you never made it out of the corpse. So in some ways, the mother is pushing her daughter and living vicariously through her daughter. But in other ways, it seems like she's trying to do things to keep her daughter down. Right. Because she also kind of resents her daughter for having the success that she never had. So both things are going on at the same time that, oh, I want my daughter to be great. I'm going to push her. I'm going to push her. But... I also kind of resent the fact, so maybe the night of the show, I'll keep her home and tape up her hands and stuff, mm-hmm. and then I'll call the theater and tell right. her, tell them that she's not going to be there for opening night. I'm the momager. I'm the momager. So it's interesting because she's got both things going on, and I think that's much harder to play than just I'm trying to sabotage your career. I'm trying to live through you and push you. Yeah, it's it's it, it's a great role. Uh, Aronofsky knows how to direct uh, for an older, an, an older, an older actress who like just this is a role you can sink your teeth into, and it's and it's yet great. She still seems, and she, the way that the kind of actress that Barbara Hershey is physically is, she is a beautiful, dark, elegant-looking older woman. The idea mm-hmm. of her being a ballet dancer when she's young isn't so. No, it's not so. Crazy. It's, it's not you know so crazy. Because you see, she still has that, like, 
if you look at a lot of dancers, like even on Broadway and stuff like that, even the older people still carry themselves like a dancer. They yeah. still have that elegance. Even, and this is so random, but Robert Morse, who was a song and dance man, on Mad Men, on his last hurrah, he does this whole song and dance routine. And I it's remember. like, he's elderly, but he still has that Broadway showmanship, like ingrained in his body. Yeah. He still has it. And so Barbara Hershey still has that physicality about her. And it's so subtle. But bravo to both Barbara Hershey and Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, and to, and to Natalie Portman, the the yeah. like the 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 the, phys, the the physical routine that uh, she spent ten months getting ready for this role that you know women have spent their entire lives getting for like kudos to your dedication, like and it shows in the performance. It shows in the performance. But the and one of, one of the last thoughts. One of the the, uh, the customer as she's getting fitted for her uh, her out her swan outfit says, "You've lost weight." And to which I had, I had to pause and go from where, where has Natalie Portman lost weight from? I can, I think I can see her, her like not not just like her ribs through her skin, but like I see her ribs herself. She doesn't have any skin left. Come, what's happening? Uh, and it, it just made me go, Jesus Christ, this is a this is a tough gig. I'm glad I'm not in it. We are running long, so right now, uh, we've seen the King's speech. We've seen The Social Network. We've seen Toy Story 3, which was also nominated for Best Picture. Should Black Swan have won Best Picture over The King's Speech in 2010? This one I'm more on the fence about. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think... I still like The King's Speech. I think if the Academy Awards came out today, I think a movie like Black Swan would win over The King's Speech. All right, would there's it, so much to it. Right, would a movie like Black Swan win over Social Network? I think so, mm. but I think I think the Social Network has more more general appeal than Black Swan. You know what I'm saying? I think I think, I think so. It's more Social Network's more universal. Yeah, but Black but but you know but you know what I saw so many Ninas on Halloween that year. Uh, it's insane, you know, because really? it's it's well, it's a it's a very a very impressive and very stark and uh, yes. iconic iconic image of her her with the the makeup yes. and the black swan at the end. It's such a it's such a unique film, and I think it's it is very much for I think it has less universal appeal. I think if you're an artist or someone like I could kind of not me personally, but like mm-hmm. I could connect to it because I was in theater, and you know how driven people are for their art. Yeah. And they're they're very. I would have to. I would have to say that. Uh, I think it would beat the so the. I think it would beat the King's Speech now. I don't think it would yeah. beat the Social Network. I think the Social Network. Uh, if 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 all three of these films were going up against one another today, I think Social Network would win. But Black Swan would come in at number two. Uh, I th- you're, as of right now, it jockeys for two or three, depending on what you're uh, on who who you're talking to or how you're feeling that day. It's a very good movie. Uh, do I understand why the King's Speech won? Yes. Am I still mad that the Social Network uh, didn't win? Yes. Could Black Swan have snuck in there with the way ballot- balloting is now? Possibly. It's it's a very good film. It's a great. It's one of those once in a lifetime performance films. Like no matter whatever she does, it's never going to top this. And she comes very close in Jackie. Uh, that uh, I think it just it's one. It's 
the thing about Aronofsky, he makes these, he's an auteur, he makes these art films that everybody sees because they are going to make good. you feel something. They're very good. They're go- Usually they're going to make you feel super uncomfortable, but uh, through that way, you know, through his suffering lies greatness, and that's what he wants his characters to experience as well. You don't forget them, and no. even if it's 10 years, I mean, I bet you said you watched uh, Requiem for a Dream one time. I bet you still remember how it made you feel, though. When you oh, yeah. It. It was, uh, you know what I mean? Like, those, these, this isn't a one you watch it, and you're like, oh, that's nice. Let's go out for coffee, and then you talk about something different. This is one, like, you, you sit, yeah, you, sit. you talk about it, you watch it, you learn more things. Back in the day, you went on Internet Movie Database and you went to the forums. Oh, and you saw what everyone else was saying. Yeah. I was crushed when they got rid of those. By the way, that is probably for the best, but yeah. Movies. And the more I watch it, the more I'm like, oh, it's it's so brilliant. And I it's knew brilliant. that at the time, but like I said with Aronofsky, I'm never gonna watch Mother again, but I will never forget how it made me feel. Same here. Same here. Well, you have been listening to the Oscar Watch podcast. Thank you so much. If you like what you hear, if you would like to disagree with us, you can write us an email at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com. Love hearing from you. Be sure to follow us on social media at oscarwatchpod. Even if you don't like what we have to say, please write in. We enjoy the criticism too, sir. Uh, Amy Thomason, where can folks find you? Thomason 11 on Twitter. All right, well, that wraps it up for 2010. It's been a long six weeks. It's been a fun six weeks. But we are going way, way, way back to 1931 with the Best Picture winner, Cimarron, next week. Uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, interesting. Never seen it. Uh, yeah, no idea what to expect. So uh, look forward to that. Watch along, folks, at home. We'll be back next week. And until then, we'll see you on the red, car- red carpet. Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You were only waiting for this moment to arise Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes and learn to see all your life You were only waiting For this moment to be free Blackbird fly Blackbird fly Into the line of a dark black night